0: Good morning again. We're going to be in Matthew 25. You want to get out your Bibles, turn to Matthew 25. As time goes on, uh, regrets kind of tend to build up. Uh, I think regretting things is just a part of growing up. Uh, Unfortunately, there's a lot of things that we would change in our lives. Uh, if we knew then what we know now, uh, we wouldn't have made those kinds of decisions a lot of times. Um, some regrets are bigger than others. Um, some, uh, they change everything. Uh, in our path going forward, uh, you know, the regret that we have because we made this one mistake has affected us for the rest of our lives, and, and some mistakes uh, and, and things that we've done, uh, we feel ashamed about, and we just we, we can't get over it. Uh, there's just sins and things that we've done that uh, we really struggle sometimes to put behind us. Um, but hopefully we understand that there is a way for all those sins and all those mistakes to be forgiven, uh, that there is a time in the future when... All the, the problems and things that we've done in the past uh, can be forgotten. And uh, for the rest of time, we get to live and be with God. And it's a wonderful blessing uh, that even though we've got all these regrets and all these uh, things that keep piling up in our lives, uh, there's coming a day when those things won't really matter anymore. And I'm, I'm excited about that. But today we're going to be looking at a, a parable of Jesus that... Uh, that tells us about a mistake that was made. And I want us to consider, as we look at this parable and as we see this mistake, uh, whether or not we're making the same mistake. Because if we are, uh, we will regret it. Uh, You know, wouldn't it be great if you go back in time and you've got this one regret that that you know about, that you wish you could go back and change? Wouldn't it be great if somebody had told you beforehand, hey, don't do this. It's going to Happened like that. Maybe somebody did and you didn't listen. Maybe you can talk to yourself and say, Listen to them this time. You know, you don't want to go down this path. You don't want to experience this. Well, as we take in the word this morning, let's be sure that we understand if we're making this mistake, we need to stop and we need to change. We need to be sure that we're on the right path because we will regret this if we don't change. I'd like to start out reading uh, the first few verses of this parable. Uh, Matthew 25, if you're there with me, verse 14, he says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also, he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So, just to kind of set up the parable, I wanted to read through what happens at the very beginning and, and what this is all about. Uh, notice how he starts off with, It will be like a man going on a journey uh that's that's a red flag us. okay we need to know what he's talking about what will be like a man going on a journey uh well if you've been with us throughout our study of chapter 24 and as we've gotten into chapter 25 you know uh, jesus has been talking a lot about his coming and what his coming will be like and he's trying to help his disciples understand that there is coming a day when he will return and he will judge uh, those who are against him, and they need to be ready. He's actually given three parables on this topic already to talk to them about the fact that he is coming in judgment. And, and the parables have been all about a servant who is not making the best use of his time, a servant who is not prepared when the thief comes in the middle of the night, A servant who uh, thinks his master is delayed and so he goes out and he uh, eats and drinks and he beats the servants and he doesn't do the work that he's been given to do. Uh, And then there's the bridesmaids that we studied a a few weeks ago uh, who, who were not prepared. They didn't have the extra flask of oil to be ready when the bridegroom comes to do their work to shine as a light so that everyone could see the bridegroom coming. Their lamps go out. So all these are parables intended to point to the servants, to the the disciples, and say, be ready for my coming. It is going to happen, and you need to know, and you need to be zealously working until the day that I arrive. So he says, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. That's an interesting picture, right? guy going on a journey. Uh, it's very similar to what Jesus is going to do, and it's what he's going to tell his, his disciples. He's about to go to the Father. Uh, but what does he mean as he's, as he's saying all this? Well, Notice he says there's three servants, and these three servants are on three different levels. Whenever you read the word talent here, uh, I hope you understand that's not talking about abilities or skills that, that the men were given by the master. Uh, it's not as though this uh, master has some power or ability to make someone a really good cook or make someone a really good uh, speaker or something like that. It's, these are talking about amounts of money. A talent is a weight. Okay, It averages out to be about 75 to 100 pounds of, of weight. Okay? And so whenever they would talk about money, they would talk about it in terms of that weight, in terms of uh, 100 pounds, of uh, a talent of silver, a talent of gold. If he's talking about gold, then the equivalent to today is like $2.5 million. Okay? But if he's talking about silver, the equivalent is about $33,000 today. Uh, so he's giving parts of his property to these servants to work with while he is going on this journey. To the first, he gives five talents, which is about 165,000 if it's silver. Uh, To the second, he gives two talents, about 66,000. And to the third, he gives 33,000, one talent. And it tells us he gives to each one according to his ability. So the talent of the person is in the parable. (laughs) His ability, his skill, his money management. you know, how good he is with money, all of that is being talked about in this parable. But the talents that are being mentioned are referring to money. So he's, he's giving them all different amounts of money based on the type of people they are, based on the, the abilities that they have. Well, what do they do with it? Well, you look at verse 16 and 18, you read through 18, you read uh, the one who had five talents he immediately, you know, at once he goes and he starts trading with those five talents. And it says he doubles his amount. You know, that's, that's a hard worker. There's a reason why he was given the majority of the money. And then the second man who's given the two talents, we, we don't read that he immediately does it, but we read that he also doubles his amount. So this man was also very capable, able to double the, the amount uh, just like the man before him. But then we read about the third servant who, instead of going out and trading, decided it would be best to bury the money that he was given. He might not really uh, bury money very much nowadays. Hopefully. Uh, nobody's engaged in that practice, maybe you are, I don't know. Um, but typically we're not. Typically we, we've got a safe. If we've got some cash out of the bank, we're going to put it in a safe. you know, So we can lock that sucker up and we can pull it out any time and our money doesn't get dirty and we don't have to worry about forgetting where we placed it, which would be pretty common back in those days. So we're not, we're not very familiar with this, but essentially this man has decided to take this $33,000 and to go and to bury it deep in the ground to hide it from others. He's trying to keep it safe so that nothing happens to it. Have you ever uh, been handed a huge wad of cash and felt really nervous (laughs) because this is more money maybe than you've ever handled in your life? And what if something happens to this money? How easy would it be for someone to attack you and to take all this money away from you? And so we see this man is afraid. He goes and buries the talent of money, the, the $33,000, because he's afraid. Uh, and, and also, we have to understand, this is a one-talent kind of guy. You know, there's a reason why he's only given one talent. His skill on money managing is not at the level of the two-talent or the five-talent. So you know, in some ways, it, it kind of makes sense for him to not do any trading with it. I mean, what would happen if he tried to trade with it and he lost his master's money? I mean, that would be just horrible, right? So he doesn't believe what the master believes. The master believes he's got the ability to handle one talent worth of money. He doesn't believe he's got that ability. And so what does he do? He takes it and he hides it and, and he waits. He doesn't pay attention to what the master believes about him. He just knows in himself that he's just not going to be able to do this. So he just gives in to the fears and gives in to the anxieties, and he buries the money. Well, let's read about what happens when the master returns. Verse 19. Now, after a long time, that's funny. All the parables have kind of given this impression that it's going to be a long time. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much and enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had received the one talent, came and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what's yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I've scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest." Here you see the master coming back. And we learn a lot about the master. First of all, you notice He comes in, and he wants to settle the accounts. Now, you might wonder, what does that mean, settle the accounts? Well, it means that he wants to get what's his, and he wants to reward those who've been working for him and punish those who have not. You see him coming in wanting to administer justice and fairness, uh, and he's trying to... uh, you know, settle the things that are his to settle. We don't see him dilly dally, and Whenever he comes, he comes, and he's ready to take an accounting of everything that has been done. We see him rewarding the workers who have been working so hard. But what does he reward them with? It says... Uh, he will give them much. He said, I, I, I have been, You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. He says, I'm going to give you more responsibility. You, know, you might be as a, a worker, you know, I've been working with this five talents. I've been you know, doing a lot of work here, and, and I'd really like to just kick back and relax like the one talent guy. But that's not what the master says here. He says, You've been faithful over a little. I'm going to set you over much. Really interesting. And then he also says, enter into the joy of your master. It's a picture that there's going to be additional responsibility given to the five-talent man because, I mean, he's a five-talent man. He's got a lot of ability, and he is a worker for the Lord. So the Lord's just going to give him more instead of uh, just letting him kick back and take it easy. But there's going to be joy. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Whenever we go to the second servant, we see that he came with two talents. And the master is not upset at him because he couldn't come up with uh, five talents like the other man. He understands what he was given. He understands his ability. And he, he, he doesn't really care about the money. He cares about the faithfulness. Again, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. That he has shown his, uh, his ability and that he is willing to do what he is, he is given to do. The master takes care of him, brings him into his joy as well. Uh, God, The master cares about faithfulness. He's not so focused on the money. He's caring about the faithfulness. And Whenever we come to the third servant, we learn, first of all, that he has an excuse. He has an excuse for not working. He says, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. You know, if what the servant says is true, it's a pretty good reason. I mean, he's, he's a hard man. He messes up, you know. He's, he loses the money, it's going to be bad for him. And, and he didn't steal any money or do anything wrong, he just he kept it safe for the master while the master was gone. And so he's, he, he, he looks at this master and he says, I knew that you're the kind of man who's going to judge those who, who go against you, who take advantage of your kindness, and so I didn't do that, but I also didn't do anything to serve you, I just kept it safe for you. Here, you have what's yours. And then we learn the master uh, comes in, first of all, and says, you wicked and slothful servant." So we know from the very beginning he doesn't buy the excuse. He sees right through the lies that this servant is giving him. But what he says is, uh, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. He, He kind of just restates what the man said. Now, as you read through that, don't read it and say, well, He's acknowledging the the truth that the man has said. You know, I am a hard man. No, he didn't say that. But he said, this is what you knew. This is your perception of your master. That I am a hard man who reaps where I have not sown and gathers where I didn't scatter any seed. Uh, That I'm a man who, who gives to his servants and expects him to give him something back even though I didn't do the work that they're doing. This is what you knew to be true of me. And if that's the case... You should have invested the money, at least with the bankers, to draw some interest. You should have done something. If you really believe that I'm a hard man, then you should have been putting forth some effort and working and doing something, knowing that when I come, I will gather where I've not scattered any seed. Because you have failed to do that. Verse 28. Take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's interesting, isn't it? As we read through this parable, we see uh, a lot of information being given to us, and if we were to apply this text in understanding the context, we see what Jesus is telling his disciples is, you better be working while I'm gone. You know, Jesus, if we think about it, doesn't give his servants a bunch of money. You know, you really think about whenever he leaves them, he promises to give them a gift. And the gift is the truth. The gift is the Holy Spirit. And he's going to give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he's going to expect them to use it for his glory. He's going to expect them to use it because they're given this wonderful gift to go out and teach. And you think about the disciples And how they're talked about in the book of Acts, you see that they're not the most skilled, right? They're not the ones who are the most able to teach. But what do they do? They go out and they teach the truth that Jesus has given them. Throughout the book of Acts, we see them being faithful to the promise uh, and, and faithful to uh, their master, uh, diligently working and serving and spreading the truth that they've been given. They're not sitting there dealing with money. you know. They're, they're like the poorest of the poor. But they're constantly doing the work that the master has given them to do. Well, what about us? How do we draw an application for us? You know, they're told all this. Uh, they've got 40 years before Jesus returns to dis- destroy Jerusalem. Now we're told Jesus will return at some point for us. And in the meantime, we're supposed to use whatever's given to us to serve the Master. Well, what has God given to us? To some of us, He's given wealth, to others, He's given uh, influence, maybe a career. Uh, that gives us an avenue of influence over other people. Uh, to some of us, he's given us family and relationships, uh, children, uh, spouse, that we have some influence over, some uh, responsibility toward. But to each and every one of us, we are given some kind of ability and we're given some kind of opportunity. And so, What's being told to us in this text is we must use our ability when the opportunity is before us. And we can't just hide in fear when the opportunity comes. We can't just think, well, if we mess up, you know, we're going to cause somebody to trip if we try to teach somebody the gospel. Or, uh, you know, if, if we do this, then... Um, We're going to mess mess something up, make somebody upset. Something's going to go wrong. We can't think about it that way. That's the way the one-talent man thinks. Instead, we need to be thinking about the ability and the opportunity that's been given to us, and we need to be sure that we're devoting ourselves to that work. So, how much ability has God given you? How many opportunities has God given you? You know, I was thinking about uh, this uh, last week. I was at 4th Street, and they had me do a young people study. Uh, and while I was studying there with the young people, they kind of wanted to know, you know, why did you leave engineering and, and pursue preaching? And um, I tried to just be as honest as I could with them about it. Um, you know, I... I was completely spiritually dead after becoming a Christian. I just was addicted to video games and neglecting my wife and just living selfishly, you know, trying to find satisfaction in everything in this earth. And at some point, I just got to, to the realization this is not the way a Christian supposed to live. Quit the video games. Picked up the book of Romans. Spent a couple hours every night reading through, studying the book of Romans. I studied the book of Romans for three years. And then I started teaching children's and, and young adult classes and then eventually adult classes. And then uh, people, i uh, never forget, Mike Waters in uh, North Alabama called me up while I was at my engineering job. He said, Casey, this is your Macedonian call. <laughs> Like, I don't even, okay, sure. Um, and, and he had me going out to a small country church and preaching uh, once, twice a month. And then I would go to other churches that that ended up uh, finding out they didn't have anybody to preach to, for them. So I just started filling in at all these different places. And then one church uh, called me that was about to lose a preacher, and they wanted me to work with them full time. I was I'm in engineering, you know, I there's going to be a lot on me, and... You're gonna to have to be understanding. And they're like, yeah, we'll be understanding, and we'll take care of you. And I was like, okay. Um, so, opportunity was before me. Ability wasn't really all that there. <laughs> I was not any good, okay. Um, but I was working on that ability. There was something there that people actually wanted to listen to. So I said, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and try to do this. After a couple years of that, I was. Pulling my hair out, lost it all eventually, right? Um, I, was, I was trying to uh, raise a family, remodel a house, work as an engineer, and preach. All at the same time. And it's just not working. Uh, the lessons, I'm sure, were just absolutely terrible. Um, and eventually I got to a point where I just had to make a decision. Either I was going to choose the path of engineering and use that to God's glory. Because there's great wealth that can be found in that or I was gonna to have to move over to preaching and do the best that I possibly could at this. And I said, there's a need for preachers, I'm gonna do that. That's why I went down to West Palm Beach. An opportunity was open for me to train with someone who I knew could help me with my faults, who I knew could improve my ability. And that opportunity seemed so much greater than every other opportunity at the time. And so I said, I'm going to be a faithful servant, and I'm going to go and do whatever God wants me to do. And that's why I'm here. God gave the ability. God gave the opportunity. And I am just trying to hear these wonderful words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. You know, God doesn't expect from us more than we're able. He understands our lack of ability and and that we fall short of what we could be one day. He understands that it's a growth process, that it's not something that we're going to do perfectly. And as I I read this parable, I just sit here and think, I wonder if that five-talent man lost some money as he was trading. I wonder if he messed up a few times. I bet he did. But he kept going, and he kept working at it, and at the end, he was able to double the master's money. And I think about myself and the ups and downs of trying to be a preacher, and that's that's just life. I don't know if I'm in a, a peak or a valley at some points, and uh, sometimes it feels that I'm one and I'm really the other. So I just don't I don't know, but I keep pressing on, hoping that I can double whatever. Uh, I'm given. And that's really what, what we all should do. What ability has God given you? What opportunities are made available to you? You know, it frustrates me to no end to see such able and talented people who go out into the world and they use all their talents and all their abilities to serve themselves and to, to build up their own little kingdom. And, and then they come to church. And they consider it a spectator sport. God gave you the ability to use for his glory. Not for your own wealth building and for your own substance. That's what he gave to me. And that's what I need to be using it for. So we need to change the way we think or else we will regret it. And maybe it is that you're afraid to use whatever talent or ability God has given to you. You have to step out in faith. We all have to step out willing to do something that is uncomfortable, willing to do things that we may fail at. Because if we're wicked and we're slothful, we'll lose what we have. And we'll be cast into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, they say that in the church, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's the way the world works. In the church, 100% of the people do 100% of the work. That's the way we should be working. That's the way we should be operating. Whatever your skill, whatever your ability, there is room in the kingdom. There is work that we all can do to glorify God. And maybe your work is in front of people and it's uh, being seen by everybody. Or maybe your work is something that's being done where nobody gets to see it, but it is so needed and so important, whatever it is. If God's given you the ability and he's given you the opportunity, keep working. Because he's going to come back and he's going to expect that we've used what, what he has given for his glory. I hope that this has helped you. This, this passage has spoken to me for years now. Um, it is the basis of everything that I do. <laughs> and I hope that it uh, becomes that for you if it's not already. I hope that your motivation in life is to hear those words coming from God when this life is over. And if it's not, and if you've not submitted your life to Christ, you've not received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and you're not using your abilities and your opportunities for God's glory, you can make a change right now. But if you don't, you will regret it. Tonight we're going to be studying about the book of Colossians. And I hope that you can make it back to that. As the book of Colossians is all about our identity in Christ and understanding more about uh, how we can use what gifts God has given us to God's glory. And I hope that you can join us for that. But if there's anybody tonight, today that needs to obey Christ and submit their lives to him, uh, this opportunity is made available for you. Please come forward as we stand and as we sing.